Hello, and welcome to Twin Cities Ballet's first ever podcast. My name is Emily Wynn, and I am Twin Cities Ballet's Operations and Development Coordinator. I am so excited to have you all here to talk about our upcoming performance, Dracula and Other Tales, on October 27th and 28th at Ames Center in Burnsville, Minnesota. I have with me today Denise Vogt, the Artistic Director of Twin Cities Ballet. Welcome, Denise. Well, hi, Emily, and what a pleasure it is to be here today. I am so excited. Yay! Can you tell us a little bit about the performance? Yes, the performance, as you stated, will be at the Ames Center. It's at 7.30, Wednesday and Thursday. And it really is um, a three-part performance. So as you come in, you will see three different ballets. The first ballet is called Red. The second one is called Horrification. And then the third one, rounding out the evening, is the world premiere of Dracula. Awesome. So can you tell me a little bit about Red, um, what it's based on, the dancers, that kind of thing? We premiered this a couple of years ago, and it really was, I'd read the book, The Handmaid's Tale, and at that time as well, the Me Too movement was coming out, and I did a lot of reflection, and for me, I'd found that the hardest situations I've ever had in my life were actually from other women, so I wanted to do a ballet with just an all-female cast, so I met with um, my dancers and we sat and I explained the kind of the story of A Handmaid's Tale. And then we really, in collaboration, worked together and it's set to the music of Bolero. So the women are on stage for 18 minutes because there's a little bit of silence at the beginning, nonstop dancing. They dance, never leave the stage all the way through. And it is based on The Handmaid's Tale, and it's really some of the gritty parts of that where it's a little bit Lord of the Flies-like as well when people get together and then the outside pressure, um, they have to conform and how that feels to conform. And it was very collaborative because each women, woman, she decided, we talked a lot, how would you feel in this situation? Like I said, I said very honestly, I think I would conform, but then I don't know if I could live with myself if the conformity really I hated. So, you know, that that was the discussions that we had. Who would fight? Who would conform first in the group as well? Very, very interesting. Very, very powerful piece. Um, and this new group of women that we have doing this, we've gone through the same process and they are an absolute delight and very hungry for an audience to see this piece. Yeah, because this is the first time that the Twin Cities Ballet dancers will be on stage with a live audience at Ames Center since COVID, right? Yeah, and we talked a lot about this piece really connecting with COVID and what's happening in society today as well. So they could really take different pressures that they feel and, and put it into their dance and this experience as they perform. Awesome. And then you mentioned horrification as well. We gave, or you gave, Twin Cities Ballet dancer Micah Shermack the opportunity to choreograph. Can you talk a little bit about, about what you know about that? I know that since Micah is the choreographer, you haven't always been in the studio seeing the process as it comes to life. But tell us a little bit about his piece. Correct. I've seen two of the pieces and we've talked a lot, a lot of discussion, but I am not the choreographer. 
um, don't like to color a choreographer. I always love to see their pieces. Um, we decided to give um, a, another choreographer this opportunity, and that would be Micah. And he has danced with us for a while, so it's wonderful. And he has choreographed before little pieces. So this is an amazing opportunity. He's doing some very dark themes. Um, it's very different than what um, Red is and Dracula. So I think it will really balance the evening. Um, but his first piece is a duet between two men. And that's going to be extremely interesting. They're actually in like Thai pants, if you imagine kind of sumo wrestler kind of pants. <laughs> um, and the struggle of the inner um, emotions from them. Then the second piece is um, Harlequinade. It's a, a woman in a tutu and like a Piero character, a Harlequin character. So you'll see the black and white costuming um, and they're like puppets which I think is very eerie and very spooky for around Halloween by the way I hate clowns so you know when he told me this I'm like ooh horrible but yes yeah, perfect um, perfect for Halloween exactly perfect for Halloween and then he's uh, his third piece is called Call of the Void I have not seen this piece it is a, a female piece and What's intriguing and so interesting right now is the costuming that he's going to be using. I have seen this. They are black unitards that look like oil. So on stage, the women will look oily, if you imagine an oil slick. And then they've got these gold-studded um, face masks. So think Kim Kardashian. <laughs> when she was at the Met Gala in her black unitard with a gold face mask on but it's like a studded one so I think it's going to be super cool so I'm very excited about that so yeah. and his, his style and his choreography is very different from the other pieces right that you and and your husband Rick have choreographed very very different and his music choice is very different too so I I've watched as I said the male part of is very good um so is the harlequinade everything's wonderful he's doing but it is very different very different style, which is very good when you have a ballet evening. You want differences, not everything looking the same. Yeah, that would get kind of monotonous. Yeah. Um, so then that brings us to the last piece, which is Dracula, which is very exciting. It's a world premiere. This ballet was originally supposed to premiere back in March of this year, March 2021, but we had to postpone due to covid so tell us a little bit about um, kind of your inspiration for Dracula, and then we'll talk about how we, how Twin Cities Ballet has kind of changed the story just a little bit while still staying true to the kind of the heart of the book. Well, I have done a ballet to Frankenstein, and I read that book, and it's a classic, and it's stunning. So I decided to read Dracula. And that's a fabulous book, too. You can understand when you read these books why they're classics. And at the same time, I was kind of looking at prisons and people who are in solitary confinement. And for some unknown reason, um, I came up with the idea, if we did a ballet, that Dracula would be in prison and how interesting that would be. Mm -hmm. And that he would actually be in solitary confinement, which was very similar to a coffin, if you, if you imagine. That's my million-dollar version. Um, reality is slightly different. But I'd imagine that he was stuck in a very dark place. So that's why he could be a vampire. That's why he could look different or be pale. 
And then in the story, you know, um, it's set in Transylvania. And then this real estate young man, John, Jonathan, he goes to visit Dracula. Well, I'm like, well, mm, you know, people write thesis about solitary confinement. What if there was a writer who came in? And so it kind of blossomed from there and it uh, changed and developed. But I still have the same characters. I have the Count, who's Dracula. I have John. I have Mina, Lucy, Tom. And of course, I have vampires. Yummy. <laughs> um, awesome. And then this ballet, the music is very special. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we've collaborated with a local, Simon Spurl. And um, what's wonderful, when I talked to him at the very, very beginning, he too had listened to a TED Talk on solitary confinement. So I just knew right then it meant to happen. Um when we talked, he, he's been with us for the get-go, really, right through the story. I had ideas of what the music would be, and so I could give him little snippets of different music, and we had a lot, a lot of dialogue. And the one thing I love about Simon, the score is very minimalistic, um, and we could really talk to him, like if we needed a minute more of this, if we needed Lucy's theme to be stronger here, um, we have, we wanted to make the vampires more spooky and he came up, I don't know if it was him who came up with it, but I think it was that we had these whispers. So you hear the whisper, 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 whisper and it's awesome. So it gives that. Just when you did that in the microphone, it kind of gave me chills down my neck. Yeah, it's kind of, kind of cool because it is Dracula. I mean, even though it's like, there are questions like, how does he get out of his cell? Well, he's Dracula, you know, he can change into a bat but um so there is still like some element of the supernatural even though you've kind of grounded it in this setting of the prison yeah uh, grounded is a really good word because it is a very grounded ballet being a story ballet we have to be very specific so when you come and see the show or one sees the show um you can understand the story i mean it'd be lovely if everyone read the story in the program but that doesn't always happen so we really do want to make sure that when the audience comes in, they actually understand what's going on. And it's a little complicated because the very first scene is the second to the last scene. So you start kind of at the end and then you go back to the beginning and go through to find out how it came to be. I think there's a lot of TVs and movies that are doing that. It's a very interesting way to tell a story where you see the ending and then you're like, oh my gosh, how did we get here? And then you have to go back to the beginning and walk through it. Yeah, and I honestly, I don't like scary stuff, which is hysterical, seeing that I've written Frankenstein and Dracula now as ballets, which is, I think, funny. Um, but I did do, after reading the classic story, I did go and look at some of the old movies. And there was a new TV show, Dracula, and I did steal the idea of the flies. So from that... Um, so that is not my original idea. Um, so I've, what are what ha, what are the flies? How do they come into the story? Well, in our story, Dracula is also um, very powerful. When people meet him, he can kind of put you in a trance and make you do things. And so there's this element around him. When John first meets him in the prison, there's flies buzzing around, and he's catching a fly. And it's in the music too. It's the music really dictates the flies. You can hear it. 
And then when John meets the vampires later, the flies are there too. So it, this thread goes through, and that's what's beautiful about Simon's uh, music. He really did, each character has a theme, and then he blended it into the story. So you kind of very quickly summarized the characters, but can we talk a little bit more about the characters in depth just so that people can kind of know who they are and what their role in the story is as well? Correct. You have Dracula, who's in solitary confinement in a prison because he spooks everyone out and people just seem to die when they're near him. Um, he did commit murders but they've never been solved. But he's done something really bad, so that's why he's in there. Then the and he's he's played by the dancer Tyler P. Warchick, right? He's a new company member, new company member, and he's fabulous. Love him as Dracula, very spooky. So yes, he is danced by Tyler. And then the next main character is Jonathan. John, we call him. And he is writing a thesis about solitary confinement. And then he lives with his fiancée, Mina. And Mina is just, she's very young. Um, she met Jonathan when he was in college. And she met him through her brother, Tom. And Tom went to school, went to college with John. And they're best friends. And you meet Tom in the story too. And Tom is um, training to be a doctor. And that is Mina's older brother. Okay, so John the writer, yep. danced by Micah Shermack. Yep. And then he is engaged to Mina, danced yep. by... Natalie Rossi. Fabulous. And then Mina's brother, and also Tom's best friend, the Dr. Tom, is danced by another new company member, right? Yes, and that's Garland. Garland Borowski, awesome. And then... We have the, the characters in the prison. Yeah, well, we have another main character. Okay. Yes. So in the story, Mina has a best friend called Lucy. So I decided to make Lucy the prison warden. And what happens in prisons is that even if you're in solitary confinement, you can, you can have pen pals, you can write. So um, Dracula and Lucy are secretly writing to each other because Lucy, who's actual, actually, in fact, best friends of Mina, right. is writing to Dracula because she's under his spell and is in love with Dracula. So there's this intrigue going on. And Tom, who is Mina's brother, remember, 
is secretly in love with Lucy. So there's kind of this warped love triangle <laughs> happening. Um, Many love triangles yes. happening. And Lucy is danced by... Uh, Marissa Manny, who's been with us, I think, the past five, six years. Yeah. So, yeah. Very good. And then um, there are other prison guards. We have prison guards. We have um, two prisoners. Um, and then we also have police people. And then we have, of course, the vampires, the three female vampires, which is also in the original story. Um, and then we have some adult apprentices um, playing the, that role. And then our lead vampire is played by Michelle Ludwig. Awesome. Good. So you said that the story starts actually, actually at the end, right? So can you kind of walk us through um, what, what happens in the ballet? Yeah, I'll do it from hopefully an audience member. So you'll be sitting in your seat and then the curtain will be down. You'll hear some music whispering and shh, shh, shh. And then the curtain will open and you'll see the scene where you won't know who they were, are, um, but it's actually in John and Mina's apartment and Mina is dead and John is holding her. And you don't know what's happened, but she's dead. He's holding her. He's a mess. In come two police people and Tom, the brother, and again, you won't know who that is, and they come in, they drag John away, and then the brother goes to Mina and is there sobbing over her dead body. So we're kind of going to presume that John has killed Mina, his fiance, right? That's kind of to, the assumption. Yeah. Okay. I think something bad happened. Yeah. So then we go back to about six months prior, and it's John. He's happy-go-lucky. He he doesn't look disheveled at all. He looks clean-cut, and he's saying goodbye to Mina. His who's alive because he's alive. Since six months yep. before, he says goodbye, and he's off to the prison. And then he meets Lucy at the prison, who is the warden, and they go in, and then he starts talking to the count. And is this his first time, his first interview? With first time. First time he okay. sees the count, um, who will not listen to him at all, ignores him until John realizes the only way he can get anything out of the count is he starts to open up about his life. So then John opens up. So then we go, the other half of the stage is kind of a throwback to how he meets his fiance Mina. Okay, so so John is telling the story of how he and Mina met to exactly. the count in order to draw the count out. Exactly. And then when John comes back, kind of realizes he's done, he he realizes that he's got nothing out of the count. The count's just got everything out of him. <laughs> so then he leaves and then the next scene, scene 3, we go into the haunted house and that's where John has gone into the count's house to gone gone to visit it to find out what happened again for his thesis and that's where he is beguiled by three vampires and he escapes there just you know I think they scratch him yeah he gets a scratch so they scratch him and he escapes and then the next scene we're back in Mina and John's apartment but John's not there Mina's there with Lucy and with Tom and they're waiting for John he's late but John is actually always late because he's one of those intellectual <laughs> types who's always in his head. So Not, You don't know this out of personal experience no. or anything. No. No, well, actually, jo the dancer who is dancing, John Micah, he keeps saying to me, this is me. This is me. This is me. <laughs> and I'm like, well, uh, great, then, then take it more. But, you know, um, but that's kind of fun. But yes, 
they're all in there. They're, Mina's kind of frustrated because he's late again, you know, and there's the empty chair and the other three are chatting. So anyway, he comes in. He's kind of crazy. He's so excited. He he makes up with her, kind of gives her a little peck on the cheek and she's like, okay. And then they, they kind of, well, what's going on? Where were you? And then he says, well, after I was at the prison, Lucy, and Lucy's right there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I went to his house and there I... I three spirits came and they scratched me and that's where that scene ends so he's already let them know what's happened and he's already started to be infected then we go into scene five so then it's all kind of in order scene five is after the apartment and after he's told everyone that he was scratched um it's the next day and we see lucy and the count together and they're both reading letters and writing letters. So this is where we find out. This is where we find out that Lucy's been naughty, naughty with yeah, the Yeah, and is being manipulated exactly. by and that's, him. Exactly, and that's what happens. And actually, the Count gives her a love letter. And as she's putting it or taking it out of the envelope, it scratches her like hand. A, like a paper cut. Yes, yeah. a long paper cut. And then the Count drinks her blood. So there you go. You've got that kind of... Um, intrigue of what the count lives lives on then we go after that the next scene is actually the prison yard there's two prisoners in the prison yard and the middle um the middle area of the stage will be empty so in comes the count he's put in there it's meant to be later on in the evening because of course he doesn't like the daytime he's going out then he meets two prisoners and in so this scene can I, a, can I ask a question though so sure. he's in solitary confinement yeah. but he's still allowed to come out into the prison yard yeah and when I looked into this what usually happens and of course that's my million dollar version instead of reality um, they have their own pen that ah, they go in okay so he's actually in a middle pen and the other two prisoners are on the outside so they pen. are still given some time outside but it they aren't allowed to interact with other prisoners exactly okay. and i guess it would depend on from prison to prison because honestly when i tried to find out more about this it was quite difficult to find out more information but they usually have maybe 20 minutes a day okay um, and it might be like I thought, well, artistic license. It might be like later on at night when the other prisoners are gone. Sure. So uh, he goes out there and, um, of course, he commands all his flies. And there's one prisoner who tries to kind of bait him and he kills him. So we see that scene. Just in the middle of the prison yard. Yeah, in the middle of the prison yard. And the flies kind of kill him, you know. And so... Well, but obviously... The guards would have intervened if the count had had actually put his hands on the other prisoners. So yeah, what, and what he it, doesn't. Okay, so it's all s somehow supernatural. Yeah, like by the okay. flies and by his mind. Okay, basically he drives the other prisoner insane, oh, and then he falls down and dies, heart attack or whatever you don't know, but just. And what's really cool after the prisoner is dead, one of the guards comes back in. And you see the Count kind of uh, manipulating the guard as well. So that he can get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's re that's really an interesting scene. So you also kind of are taken into the prison. Then the next scene is Lucy. Now she has gone to see her best friend Mina. And she's kind of a little crazy because remember she got cut on the hand. So one, she's been infected 
she tells, she wants to tell Mina about what's happened and she's in love with someone. So she's kind of a little crazy and Mina's there in her apartment with John and Tom. Tom is helping John write his thesis. He's like a drinking buddy and just sitting there. But they're in a different room. And so in comes me, uh, Lucy and she's crazy. She's like crazy, crazy. And she says, I'm in love. And Mina thinks it's Tom. Well, then she drops the letter. Mina reads the letter and finds out it is not Tom, she's in love with her brother. It is the Count. And then Tom comes in. He finds the letter and he finds it's the Count too. So they're all really angry at Lucy. And Mina says, you know, you two boys, you go off. You go and confront the Count. So she looks after Lucy. And then the boys go off to the prison. And then she puts Lucy on the chaise lounge and, you know, says, I'll go make you a cup of tea. And when she disappears, in flies something and Lucy's killed. In flies something. Yes. Is it left sort of ambiguous or are we supposed to assume it's the Count or one of the vampire women or? It would be the Count. That's in the million dollar version. And he does, you do see him and he does bite her neck. So there's the vampire thing. But, um, you know, it, it's hard to do that in a stage production. For sure. Say. You know, I'd love to have him flying around, but that could also look a bit silly. So <laughs> it's more, but again, the music links it because again, you've got the whispers coming in and you've got a little bit of the fly music. So it's very, very music oriented there. Yeah. yeah. So now Lucy's dead. She's dead. And um, the next scene, the two men are going off to the prison and they run to the prison and then John leaves. And then in the prison is Dracula. Right, so, so he's already made it even back, back yeah, yeah, in the, like the blink of an eye, right? Okay, so and John's like, you can't write anymore, you can't do this, and he's like, I don't care, he doesn't say anything because he's in prison. Like, what are you talking about? So then John leaves the prison, and he's again remember he's been infected by the vampires, and he goes off back to the haunted mansion. So he goes in there, and when he goes in there, he meets the three vampires again, and then there's a new vampire, and it's Lucy. Does he recognize her? Yes. But he's confused because he doesn't know, but it is Lucy, and he does recognize her. And he thinks it's Lucy, he's not sure, but she actually bites him, and also she's very intimate with him. So now he leaves. He's been intimate with Lucy, but he loves Mina. And this was Mina's best friend. And he's just a mess. Plus, he's now been infected even more. Right. So now he's become this disheveled person. And he goes back to his apartment. And Mina's sitting there because her friend died. So she's sitting there and not knowing what to do. And in comes John. He's a mess. He's different. He's so angry and so upset with himself that he takes it all out on Mina and Mina kind of leaves him and she leaves the scene. And then John falls asleep on the chair. A few minutes pass and in comes Mina because she's going to check on John because she's not sure what's going on. And when Lucy came earlier, she left a shawl. So Mina picks up the shawl and she wraps it around her because she's kind of chilly and she taps John awake. And when he wakes up, he thinks it's Lucy again and he goes mad and he kills the person he thinks is Lucy. But when the shawl comes off, he realizes he's killed his beloved Mina. And that's the first scene that we saw. 
And so we brought it around full circle. Wow. Yeah. That is, that's, <laughs> that's so sad. That's awful. It is. Like the guilt of having betrayed her. Yeah. And then, I mean, I can't even imagine. Exactly. And we have to go there with the dancers because right. remember, you're seeing this as a ballet. So there's not any talking. So we've got to portray that in our bodies and portray it to you guys, the audience. I mean, it has to go there. But there's one more scene. Okay. You know, and I'm just going to let you guys come and see the ballet to find out the final scene. Like if the count is the is has to take responsibility for all of this mess that he has caused or if he gets away with it and all the other people are blamed. Wow, it sounds very figure that one out. Very intriguing, <laughs> very intriguing. And I did want to say um, we would love for everyone listening to join us at Ames Center October twenty seventh and twenty eighth. But we are recommending this for um, not for young children, ages nine and up. Nine and up. Good. Yeah. So there's nothing explicit. No. Um, because it is a ballet, which is so you don't have to worry about things like swearing and things like that. But it is very going to be a very intense show, it sounds like. But Yeah, and it's more the younger children won't understand. They'll go, what's that? What's happening? What? You know, so you right. won't be able to enjoy it. Right. And I really encourage people to, you know, we'll have a little program with the story. So really read the story during the intermission. That would really help. Yeah. yeah, well, and I'm sure listening to your explanation, walking through each scene will Hopefully. help just so that you know what's going on. Um, and, you know, our dancers are all wonderful actors and actresses. So it'll, I, I think the emotion of it will still come across, even if you don't always know exactly what's happening. And I also want to thank our costuming department because on this ballet, every single costume is handmade. So they've done a terrific job. So one of kudos to Twin Cities Ballet Wardrobe and Costuming. Awesome. Um, well, if you want to find out more about the show or see some sneak peeks of the choreography, you can um, visit us at our website, www.twincitiesballet.org. And you can buy tickets at www.ames-center.com or via Ticketmaster. So you can go in person to Ames Center in Burnsville or you can get them online via Ticketmaster. I have been sharing a few little clips of rehearsal on our Instagram, which is Twin Cities Ballet MN for Minnesota, Twin Cities Ballet MN. Um, and we would love to have you all join us. Please come support the arts. This is your local ballet company. We're so excited to bring this to you guys. And to be back on stage in front of an audience. Absolutely. That's what these dancers, that's why they do what they do. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Denise. Thank you, Emily. This activity is made possible by the voters of Minnesota through grants from the Minnesota State Arts Board and the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council, thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. <laughs>